Welcome back, everyone, to the Fantasy Madness Podcast with me, your host, the Mad Chatter, Ryan MK. Thank you, thank you for joining. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter or on Instagram and or whatever at RMK Madness. That's right. Hope everyone's week was well. It's a good Friday. Good luck to everyone this weekend. Memorial Day happening. We're staying the fuck home personally. So for any of you going out there and doing stuffs, please be safe, be careful, be vigilant. Congregating in large groups of peoples, it's a little bit dangerous right now, in my opinion. Saw something on Twitter about optimism and, you know, it's, you got to start having some optimism and I am optimistic. I'm, I'm one that tends to look for the light in everything, the positive. But I'm also very wary. And this isn't pessimism. This is being real. I talk about this a lot in my Miscellaneous Debris podcast, which you can also find on Apple Podcasts. And you can also find by going to my Twitter account and checking the links there. I have all my content there. But continuing on. If you study the history of pandemics, this thing, is, it's going to come back, just like the flu, this fall. And we're not going to have a vaccine by then. And see, if it doesn't do a lot of mutating and it stays about the same, then we're probably okay. We could probably manage it. But we need to be careful The problem is, is that it could potentially mutate like a motherfucker and come back with a vengeance. Many viruses do this. They always, and trust me, I've done my research, they always mutate. It's just, does the mutations change anything about that particular virus? At least to my understanding. I'm not going to profess to know everything. But I did do a lot of looking into this subject. A, because I find it interesting. And B, I'm trying to know what the fuck is going on. Because my wife is in that high risk category. I want to be as safe as possible. And you know what? If the Trump fuckers are right, and every if this all turns out to be not as big a deal as it was made, great. That means less people died. And it's not as big a deal. I'm okay with that. Until then, I'm going to be wary. Just me. Cautious. But if you're going out, please be safe. But have a good time. Got that three-day weekend unless you're still out of work like me. Technically, I could go back to work. I'm not yet. Again, high-risk wife. But we had a pretty good week. We did our graduation party for our kindergartner, which was fun. Like I said, we weren't doing any of that virtual bullshit. We just had a good time. Had a good time. Made some brownie bites. No, not any marijuana ones. That would have been fantastic. My wife was going to, and she wasn't feeling the greatest, so I ended up making the brownies. And I do not, as good of a cook as I am, I do not know my ways, the ways of the marijuana cooking into food. Um, very well. My wife, much more of a pro in that regard. (laughs) So, I usually let her handle that kind of stuff. 
But we had a good graduation party. The boy liked his gifts. And then the very next day, we had the little one's three-year birthday party. So, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Because the little one's crazy. So it was a good time with the presents and the cupcakes and hanging out and stuff. And we had a really good, we've had a really good week, actually. And my mother was here and we had a good time. My mother has left again. It's nice having her here. I really appreciate her help in all of that. But it's always nice to get your house back, right? Because even someone like my mom, it's still just, it, it, it doesn't matter who it is. Someone's here that's not my wife or my kids. I just feel like I have to be careful about stuff. And really, for the most part, I don't, like when it comes to my mom. But it's, it's I don't know, it's a weird thing. I'm weird. I don't know what to tell you. I also read this week this article about scientists having found evidence... For a parallel universe. Now, before anybody listening to this freaks out and like, that's not what the article said. I know. <laughs> that's, that's what the headline portrayed. But if you do read into it, it's not quite that. <laughs> but what they did find is that these, these like high energy particles were coming up out of the earth in Antarctica. And normally they find these things coming down into the earth from space, not rising up. And they don't really have an explanation for this. So they said a potential theory would be going back to a theory that came along. Well, it's really been around since the Middle Ages. But got more prevalent in the 1950s. Um, Ern Schrodinger, that was the one who brought it up. And then, you know, it started getting incorporated into sci-fi movies and stuff. But the idea that parallel universes exist simultaneously and that they are just right next to each other. There's another universe right next to ours. Another you, another me. And to me, I find this insane and fascinating at the same time. So do they know parallel universes exist? No. But they found something that at this point, they can't really explain, but it would explain the theory behind the parallel universe. Because in essence, that would mean that these energy particles that are coming up from the Earth are essentially going back in time. It's, it's, it's all crazy. It's hard for me to wrap my brain around. I'm not going to fucking lie. But it's very interesting. So I'll get off of that, back into the football. I just I brought up that article because I found it interesting. And also, I'm thinking parallel universes in football. Like Cam Newton. In a parallel universe, he's the starter for the Patriots in 2020. Not Jared Stenham. I think that would be, I hate the Patriots. <laughs> but I still think that would be cool if that happened. But they ain't got no fucking money to pay Cam Newton. So I don't see how it's going to happen. Unless, uh, I just don't see it happening. I just don't see it happening. It's crazy. In a parallel universe, Taysom Hill is the starter for the Saints. And I understand some of the excitement about 
Taysom Hill, when you've got the Saints who are so keen on keeping him, you can't help but wonder. But for me, it's too many questions. There's lots that people have brought up, like, well, if you're going to have him, why you sign Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater? Oh, it's because you got to have a totally different offense for Taysom Hill. And there's so much shit around it. I guess to me, my biggest thing is like, dude's going to be past 30 next year when he's starting. Like, really? That's really the route they're going to go? <laughs> like, I just, it doesn't make sense to me. Not even a lick of it makes sense to me. A lick of it. <laughs> but it doesn't. So I don't know. But that that's why it would be a parallel universe, right? Hard to understand. Mariota, starting for the Raiders. This one could actually come true. I actually find that quite intriguing. Because to me, sometimes... A change of scenery can make a huge difference. Now maybe it comes down to the nuts and the bolts of football. Maybe it comes down to the numbers. Maybe he's set up that this particular quarterback is in a better position to win on this team. He's in a better fit, a better scheme. But there's also other aspects to it where just getting out of something that isn't great for you can do wonders it's like being in a bad relationship you're fucking totally different when you get out of that shitty relationship you start to feel better the weight is lifted off your shoulders there's so much to that so I think a change of scenery could be beneficial for Marcus Marriott remember everybody wrote off Ryan Tannehill too I would say Mariota's coming from a little better team than Tannehill did. But how how much do you think Ryan Tannehill really is? How much better do you think he really is than Marcus Mariota? I'm interested to see what he can do in Vegas if he gets a chance. And I think he will because I don't know about you, but I'm not a big Derek Carr fan. Just saying. In an alternate universe, a parallel universe, Jameis Winston did not sign with the Saints. He signed with the Bears, who did not trade for Nick Foles. And the Bears go from Mitchell Trubisky, who can't fucking do anything, to Jameis Winston, who's going to throw it all over the place, but probably throw a few picks. I think that'd be an interesting fit. But the parallel universe stuff aside, I'm in this super flex draft, and I'm seriously looking at these quarterbacks because I wanted to go along with my strategy during this draft. And I'll get into later what I did, but I attacked running back, young running backs, and prime receivers in their prime. I attacked those early, early. Got a few of each. Then, quarterback started going. I was like, ah, I want to wait a little longer, but I better grab someone. So I grabbed Tua. Came back around, grabbed Drew Locke. Basically, all the top scrambling quarterbacks were gone. 
Kyler Murray went super fucking early. I guess I get it. That dude was trying to be ahead of the curve. <laughs> I would never have done that, but I get it. So I got this good solid team, came back around, grab a tight end, but I've got it set up so I've got these super young quarterbacks, these super young running backs, super young tight ends, and then I've got a core of receivers that are in their prime. And then I got a, a rook on the bench so far, I think. I will take a look at it later. <laughs> but I set up well in that league. I really like how it's set up. But I'm thinking, when it comes back around to me, I'm looking pretty good. I just want to go upside from here. I might take one more quarterback. Maybe I'll take Cam Newton. Why? He's only 31, people. I believe he's healthy. He looks pretty good in those videos that he's posted on social media. And I'm not stupid. I get it. You don't just look at them and go, oh, Cam is back. I get it. But he looks good. He looks good. And I believe he's going to be healthy. And he's going to be pissed, chip on his shoulder. Let me so show some motherfuckers what I'm about. That's what he's going to be like. I, I totally kind of botched that, but I don't even care. I'm not going to, I don't even care. Cam Newton's going to be all about it this year. And I kind of want a piece of that. Obviously, very dependent on where he lands on. And he said he's willing to be a backup, but he can't just go be a backup anywhere. Like, I would love for him to sign in Denver, but that would be so terrible for Drew Locke. <laughs> right? Because if Drew Locke has a couple of bad games, fans aren't going to be like, well, it's his second year. Let's give him some time. They're going to be like, Cam, Cam, Cam. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, it depends where he goes, but I feel like taking a chance on him. Again, I've got a good base of a team. I'm just shooting upside from here on out anyway. Why the fuck not? In a super flex league? Huh. I could get a 31-year-old Cam Newton who's still got some juice, baby. Again, it's a little risky. Maybe he goes somewhere as a backup. Maybe he doesn't play this year. Maybe somebody signs him next year. I don't know. It's definitely risky. But I just feel like something's going to happen. Maybe a quarterback gets injured in training camp, preseason. Shit happens all the time in the NFL. But that's why I'm looking at Cam Newton. A lot of these guys in super flex, man. Nobody's touching him for a while. People are, people are fucking sitting there drafting Ben Roethlisberger. And I like Ben Roethlisberger, okay? If you're talking about a redraft league, guillotine league, keeper league, something like that, I'm all about Ben. In a dynasty league, fuck no. How much time does that dude have left? We don't even know if he's for sure going to come back healthy. If there's somebody that can do it, it's probably that dude. I don't like him personally because of his, some of his past issues we won't get into. You know. He's fucking hell of a quarterback, man. Got an arm, moves around. And I like watching him play, personally, because that's a big dude to be moving around like he does, or used to, because he doesn't do that so much anymore. That's what I'm saying. People are taking Ben Roethlisberger. I'm like, wait. Mariota's sitting there. Jameis Winston's sitting there. Cam Newton's sitting there. And 
grab one of these guys. Fuck, maybe Mariota takes over for Derek Carr sometime this year. And boom, gets his mojo back. And all of a sudden, he's rocking and rolling again. I could see that. Pull a Ryan Tannehill. The dude that did it. <laughs> but I could see that happening. Jameis Winston. Say Drew Brees misses a few games. Winston goes in and kills it. What do you think is going to happen next year? Better contract than what Teddy got, I betcha. Fuck, what if Drew Brees goes out for the whole year? With something. Then you got Jameis Winston. Unless at that point, they'd go, okay, Taysom Hill time. These motherfuckers always got to interrupt me with their goddamn garage doors. I need to find a better place to podcast. (laughs) Oh, goodness. But that's what I wanted to talk about in the open was a little bit of, I didn't mean to get so much in the damn virus, but it's true. It's not going away yet. It's not going to completely go away till we get this damn vaccine. So let's be patient and be safe. And then I wanted to bring up all the stuff with the parallel universe because I find it interesting and lead that into this talk of, of what to do in a super flex with quarterbacks because there's some guys sitting there that you could get very cheap, very late in the draft that could potentially be a boon for you in the future. Just saying. Just saying. Hurry up and shut the fucking door, bro. You know what? Pause it for now. We'll be back in a sec. I need some marijuanas anyway. All right. Welcome to The Madness. Yes, the part of the podcast where we get into the main issue, main topic of the show, which today is based around my newest article that should be coming out on Player Profiler by Monday at the latest. Well, Tuesday, I guess it's three-day weekend. And hopefully, all of you checked out my first, my previous one, which was my first on Player Profiler about Olamide Zacchaeus, hidden gem. Hopefully y'all checked that out and read it and heeded said advice. And my next article should be out shortly. So I wanted to base the madness in this show around that article as kind of an accompanying voice, if you will. And the article is based on tight end steals in 2020. I've got a list of them. I'm in a draft right now. Been looking at tight ends. It's crazy. Those top ones go, and then nobody touches it for a while. And then people start do taking it, and they're taking some really interesting picks, in my opinion. But I look at who in the later rounds. And I prefer 10 or more, although I do have one guy in here, a little more like 8th or ninth. But for the most part... You can get these guys in the double-digit rounds. Okay? And if they exceed expectations, that brings you value based on where you got them. And this works in trading, too. I mean, right now, the first guy on my list, his value's at a third-round pick. Meaning you could get him in the third round of a rookie draft. Oh, ho, ho, ho. he's much more valuable than that, in my opinion. So let's go ahead and get into it. 
that particular person that I am speaking of at the top of the list that you can still get in the eighth or ninth round, so not quite to the double digits, but that is Tennessee Titan Johnny Smith. This dude's, first of all, his measurables are insane. And I'm going to look them up. I usually have this shit ready to go. What the fuck's going on, Ryan? <laughs> oh, goodness. But the good news is, Ryan Tannehill already contacted him and is working out with him. They were reportedly throwing the ball together a little bit this week. So Ryan Tannehill recognizes what a weapon Johnny Smith could be. Delaney Walker left. He's gone. No longer a Titan. Miss you, old man Walker. And now it's Johnny Smith. Johnny Smith at 6'3, 248, runs a 462 40 yard dash. Upper percentile speed score, burst score, catch radius. College dominator in the 92nd percentile and a breakout age in the 100th percentile. That is a hell of a profile, people. I'm not even joking a little bit when I say I do expect him, I mean, given he stays healthy and whatnot, I do expect him to hit top five fantasy tight ends this year. I just think he will. I think he will. I think he could be the second leading option receiving-wise behind A.J. Brown. Although I do like Adam Humphreys a little bit, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> But, Johnny Smith, right there. That's number one. Number two, Ian Thomas. Another guy, another who's third-year player, just like Johnny, had a mainstay veteran ahead of him, just like Johnny. And for Ian Thomas, it was Greg Olson. He's now departed off to Seattle, which is what a fucking messy tight end room that is. But Ian Thomas, you got this new offense coming in with Matt Rule. You got Teddy Bridgewater coming in. No more Greg Olson in the way. He's getting the first crack at the starting job. Dude, 6'4", 259. Upper percentile metrics across the board. 474 on the 40-yard dash. Dude could be a monster. Best comparable to Austin Hooper. So he's in a great position on what could be a pretty good offense because let's face it, Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, they added Robbie Anderson, they added Teddy Bridgewater, who may not be Cam Newton, but he's certainly better than fucking Kyle Allen. So, that sounds like a pretty good offense. And I think it will be. And Ian Thomas could certainly benefit from that. So, we'll see what he does. But I got a lot of confidence in that dude. And next on the list is Chris Herndon, who the Jets have recently said they can't wait to unleash in 2020. And as I said in my article, this came from, well, the Jets. <laughs> the Jets said this. The, Jet, the Jets. We'll see if that means anything. But I do have some optimism for this because I do expect them to use it. Sam Darnold needs weapons. It's great they got Denzel Mims. It's great. I love Denzel Mims. He's going to be a target monster. I like Jamison Crowder. 
But they need somebody else. They need another weapon. That weapon's going to be Chris Herndon. Doesn't have the greatest profile as far as metrics are concerned and all of that. That could be attributed to, well, the injury he suffered in his senior season. MCL injury. Missed the last part of that game. The ACC title game he missed. So he's still recovering from surgery when the NFL Combine and Pro Days and all that shit, when all that comes around, he's still recovering from surgery. And, you know, he can't do drill. Like, he can't run. So so it's really, he had a good senior season of production. And that's really all we have to go on other than his rookie year, he did start 12 games, over 500 yards, Four touchdowns. Nothing spectacular. But it does make you wonder. There's something there. The Jets seem to like him. They need a fucking weapon. Boom. Moving on. Next one. Jace Sternberger. Berger. Berger. Jace Sternberger. Can I have a Jace Sternberger, please? Jace Sternberger. I like this dude, too. It's too bad he plays for the fucking Packers. But in this situation, because I don't like the Packers. Sorry. In this situation, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Now, he's not super uber athletic, but he is above average pretty much across the board on his play, on his met- workout metrics, on his profile. A little bit down there on burst score, a little below on catch radius, but he does have a 92nd percentile dominator rating. 94th percentile yards per reception in college. And there's something there. The Packers seem to like him. It seems like he is going to get the first shot to start. Now that Jimmy Graham is gone, a lot of veteran tight ends leaving the teams. And then these guys that have been in for around two or three years, they're going to step in and see what they got. Because tight end is that position. They don't just normally burst out. Year one, you know, it's year two, year three, you know, takes a few years, man. There's a lot to the position. Got to learn to catch and block and, you know, it's a pain. I don't know from experience, but it just sounds like it. So you get these veterans departing and then these second year, third year guys, tight ends stepping in to see what they can do. Jace is another one. I like him a lot and he's going pretty late. Now, Josh Oliver is my last one. This fucking guy isn't even getting drafted in a lot of leagues. He's going super late at the end of drafts and deep dynasty leagues. I'm just, I I don't understand it. Plays for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They have a young guy, Gardner Minshew. He needs fucking weapons. Yes, he's got... DJ Chark, who I really like. He's got D.D. Westbrook, who's okay. Had some good games, some bad games. He's also got Leonard Fournette, which is great. So there's some pieces there. What about a big-time tight end? Now, they go out and sign Tyler Croft. They go out and draft LaVisca Chenault. So you know Chenault is probably going to, they've already said, he's going to be all over the field. But, and I said Tyler Croft. <laughs> Tyler Eifert. Apologies. But Tyler Eifert, that dude ain't the same dude. He's not the same. He can't do what he used to do. 
And I don't imagine, based on what he's done the past couple of years, I don't imagine he'll be any good for the Jaguars. And you look around, who you got O'Shaughnessy still there, sure. But then you've got this young kid, 6'5", 249, 4'6 in the 40-yard dash, upper percentile speed score, catch radius, above average burst score, solid dominator rating. I mean, best comparable to Hayden Hurst, who is now the starting tight end for the Falcons. There's a lot to like about this dude's profile. And there's not much for competition. Tyler Eifert, be damned. No offense, dude. I'm sure Eifert, Mr. Eifert, I'm sure you're a fucking awesome guy. And you've had a lot of bad luck with the injuries and stuff. But that's why I got no faith in you. I'm sorry, that's why. (laughs) Maybe you'll surprise me. I hope you do. I enjoy proving people wrong. But I just think there's something there with Josh Oliver and nobody's paying fucking attention to him. But I am. And I hope you do too. I hope you do too. All right, so that's what I got for the madness. I know, I know. It's usually a little bit longer. But I spent so much damn time on the open. I didn't mean to take so long talking about the virus. I just complain. Well, it's it's really... The people out there that think it's no big deal or hoax or whatever, they just drive me nuts and then I get my blood gets boiling and I just apologies. And then I went on about parallel universes, whatever. <laughs> so maybe a little bit longer of a show with a little less of the madness. <laughs> Literally, not figuratively, or maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. But that's what I got for the madness. Tight end steals in 2020. Keep an eye on my Twitter profile at RMK Madness for that article to come out on playerprofiler.com. Okay, okay. Let's go ahead, take a quick break, and then we're going to close this fucker up. Yeah, yeah. All right, welcome back. Welcome back. We have some breaking news. The Jets who I've spoken of a little bit today, are signing Joe Flacco. (laughs) That motherfucker got a job before Cam Newton. And I get it. You can't bring Cam Newton to the Jets. Fuck, man. That probably crushed Sam Darnold mentally. And I like Darnold. I think he's a good dude. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. But fuck that. I don't have to be looking behind your back and seeing Cam Newton standing there. It's not fair. Anyway, anyway. So I'm going to update my drafts a little bit for you, you folks. Because, I know, folks, lame, old person word. That's fine. Because I find it, uh, well, I like to talk about my teams. Because I like to brag a little about how I've done. To be honest. (laughs) But really, more than anything, it's to show you what you can do if you play the draft right. Now, in my IDP league the uh, Defensive Player League. I got Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, Michael Pittman, Brian Edwards, Adam Troutman, Patrick Queen, Javon Kenlaw. Now, I made some trades here and there. I owned the first two picks. I traded the second pick because everybody wanted 
Clyde Edwards Hilaire after I took Jonathan Taylor. So I ended up getting a good deal for that. Ended up getting Cam Akers later in that round as part of the trade. Got Pittman in the second, Edwards in the third, Troutman in the fourth, Queen and Kinlaw in the fifth. So bam, there you go. Looking good on that league. And I already got a pretty good team in that league. So this just bolstered it right up. Just bolstered it right up. Then in my super flex league, I kind of explained that earlier. So I have Drew Locke and Tua at quarterbacks, like I said. And then I've got Cam Akers, Jonathan Taylor, Darius Geis at running back, Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson at receiver, and Michael Pittman on the bench. And I'm contemplating going with uh, you-know-who right here, Mr. Cam Newton, my next pick. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it because I'd really like to grab Joshua Kelly before he gets taken. And I'd also really like to get a second very young tight end because I do like to have some good young tight ends. I know a lot of people don't take a lot of stock in tight end. And in redraft leagues, eh, I don't because it's very true. You can find guys to get you by. But in a dynasty league, yeah, I want those young good ones, those up-and-coming ones, so that I get their breakouts and their primes. You know what I mean? So I like to take the young tight ends. I like that that sounds terrible now that I just heard it in my own fucking ears. I like young tight ends. That sounds terrible. When it comes to football, the tight end position, I like those guys. Better if they're younger, just based on future potential in fantasy football. Let me cl clarify it all right there. So that's what I got going in that league. And then I have my guillotine league, which is essentially a redraft league. I mean, it is a redraft league, but it's just that as you go along, there's... Um, the, the waiver wire just becomes like super fucking awesome. It's like it's like a redraft league with waiver wire on steroids. Because once those teams start getting eliminated, their players go into the pool. Now, so far, this is what I've got. Aaron Rodgers. I hate Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> not hate. Hate's a strong word. I should stop saying that. I'm not a big fan of Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> but regardless, I got him. Because I figure beginning part of the schedule is decent because that's what I did in this league, which I think I explained a couple episodes what I was doing, my strategy with this type of league. But you really got to make sure those first three, four weeks, you're kind of set up. Because throughout that time, you're really going to, if you can manage to stay in, you're going to be able to build your roster as you go along. So I got Aaron Rodgers because I figured schedule's decent and he's going to be pissed off. <laughs> and he, he does play pretty good when he's pissed off. So Aaron Rodgers, then I got Ezekiel Elliott, James Conner, who I never, ever would draft in any other setting, but Mike Tomlin said he's the bow cow, and I expect they'll run the shit out of him the first few games of the season, and then he might get hurt, but <laughs> I just need him for a couple games, so I'm good. And then I grabbed Darius Geis. Looking back, that's the one I questioned myself a little bit, just because... It does sound like they're going to use a committee, but I still feel Geis is the best of them all. And hey, 
Maybe Ron Rivera's sitting there and he realizes he's got so many goddamn good running backs that he trades guys. Who knows? Or trades one of the other guys. So I think it's not a bad pick. In this particular league, I maybe could have done better. And then at receiver, I got Allen Robinson, Adam Thielen, Denzel Mims, one to Graham Mims. In that area, I just looked at it and I said, if Mims does what I think he's going to do, he could be the top fantasy receiver, rookie receiver, fantasy-wise. And that's what I think. So I'm like, that guy would be good to have. So I got him, Allen Robinson, Adam Thielen. On the bench, I got LaVisca Chenault, another guy I thought, man, if Jacksonville uses him right, he could pop in his rookie year. And it'd be nice to have him. Then I got Tony Pollard because I figure Zeke is the one running back I have that I'm committed to. I'm going to hold him for the year probably. Not as committed to Connor or even Geis. But Zeke I'm committed to. So I wanted to get his backup. He gets suspended, hurt, whatever. I need Tony Pollard. So I grabbed him. Because I'm counting on Zeke this year. And I think he's going to have a good year. And then I got TJ Hawkinson. Because I think he is going to have a good year himself. So that's what I did in the guillotine league. And so I feel like I've got a team where it's going to be good right out of the gate. Right? It's going to get me some points. Right? Now I got to be near the top. And last year I, I was at the top pretty early on and stayed that way to the very end. And I lost and got second place. And a big part of that was Lamar Jackson and then Dalvin Cook. And I believe one of my receivers just routinely killed it for me. They all kind of disappointed me at the end of the year. But pretty good nonetheless. Second place isn't bad. So this year I'm aiming for more. But this year we have four more teams in it than we did last year. And so it's been a little bit tricky. A little bit tricky. But I think I'm off to a good start, so we'll see what happens. All right, now next week, I want to talk about a couple of different things. And one being, I, speaking of the Guillotine League and, and you know it being new and unique and different, I'm starting to create my own. Now, it's not finalized yet. I'm still working on details. But essentially, it would be a points league, but you have divisions. Or what I'll call clans, because I'm thinking about calling this the Kingdom League. Now, see, the object is to get as many points as you can, obviously. But you want to collect them for your team, but also as a clan. So you want your clan to do well. And I'm considering the rule where you can only trade within your own clan. And it would have very short benches so that you have to use the waiver wire. There would be fab involved. There would be rewards throughout the season to gain extra fab because of the importance of the wire. And it would almost encourage, in a way, cheating because, hey, maybe you trade someone for very little to a team just so they can win and help their team get points and help your squad get points. Could be interesting, an interesting strategy. And I can't decide how I want to finish it, but I'm contemplating what the idea I kind of like is just you're in these different clans and it'd be a 12-team league, or right? So three clans, four teams each. And the object would be you want your clan to win. 
the winning clan would be put into the playoffs at the end of the season. And that would determine the outcome. And then also I can make it six teams and add the other two clan leaders, which I might do. That's not a bad idea, but that's just an idea. So you're like working as a clan until the very end and then it's every man for themselves. So that's kind of the idea behind it. Feel free to go on Twitter. Let me know what you think about it. It's called the Kingdom League. Let me know your thoughts if you think it's worth a shit or not. And then also next week, I'm going to be discussing, well, probably in the madness, the main topic of what players are most likely to bust this year. Because I've got a few in mind, you know. The guys everybody is it, are excited about, you know. And it's just like, oh, I don't know. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, maybe? <laughs> I just don't get it. And I, and, and I know there's a lot of people out there that like it. And he couldn't have gone to a better spot. But is he automatically just going to get, like, all the points from that position? I mean, I still got Damian Williams and Daryl Williams. Both them dudes are good. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean... Probably a hell of a pick. But, I just, I have my doubts. But that's not one we're really going to talk about. I was more thinking this year, and just specifically the rookie draft, I just, and how easily I was able to trade away that 1.2 when everybody realized I took Jonathan Taylor and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was still there. Like, it was crazy. People ask, offering me all sorts of shit. I just think, He's a little overrated. But that's just me. Maybe I'm wrong. Wouldn't be the first time. Wouldn't be the fucking first time. But I'm also right quite often as well. If I don't say so myself. But anyway, we'll get into that. Bustable players. Yeah, that's what I'll call it. Bustable players. We'll get into that next episode. Everybody, have a good weekend. Thank you very much. For joining me, I'm bowing right now because I very much appreciate it. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at RMK Madness. And yes, again, have a great weekend. Be safe, and we will talk again next week. Until then, peace out. <laughs>